Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Hey, this week I am chatting with author Hannah Parkinson, and this is another mental health episode. We are talking about the depths of postpartum depression, anxiety, how deep the valleys can be, and how God not only led Hannah out of her pit, but also can do the same for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. So you wrote a book, Out of the Pit, which is about your journey through struggling with some mental health stuff, which anyone who has listened to the show a couple of times has heard myself and guests talk about mental health and mental illness. And so I'm really looking forward to having a really honest conversation about kind of what it took to climb you out of that pit to get us started. Tell us a little bit about your story and and your book and kind of what got you here. Sure. So I was raised in a Christian family. Um, We attended church weekly. My mom ran the nursery. My dad played in worship band. Just, you know, I I knew Jesus and I knew um, who he was. I believed in him. I knew all the stories, but never, I, I would watch people like worshiping in church and they'd be like on their knees crying out to God. And I'd be like, why don't I have that? You know, I don't, you know, I, I longed for it, but then I was like, something's off with them. You know, they're being dramatic, (laughs) but coasted through high school fine. And I was in college 2007. Again, I, my parents took us to Disney every year. I, I cannot, I have not one complaint in my upbringing. So that just goes to show this can happen to anyone. I had been very close with my aunt and she herself was struggling um, with depression and she had committed suicide and in a very violent way. And I remember I was in my closet. I fell to the ground just in shock, crying, you know, confused and just, you know, with, with my sweet little happy upbringing, never really thought about someone doing that to themselves, especially someone I was very close with. And, you know, I, I, I coasted through college still. I was in my own apartment and just, you know, I was like, you know, it was sad and I was crying a lot, but it wasn't like, you know, damaging my grades or anything. I was still attending school, but the exact day of the one year mark, I was babysitting a family and I had put them to bed. I stupidly grabbed a cup of coffee they had left on their pot all day, which I'm sure like was just getting more and more caffeinated as the day went on. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, just like, like, it was like a ton of bricks, bricks hit me. I was like, I felt like the room was spinning. I I felt like I had no hope. I just had this, like, I got a run feeling or just loss of who I was and where I was going in life. I called my mom and I just said, I I don't know what's going on. I, I don't have hope. And she was just like, well, it's been a long day. You know, why don't you just come over and, you know, well, I don't know, probably make me cookies or something. <laughs> and I went home, you know, just thinking like, oh, I was just like a bad day, but I still just had this like, just like 
evil foreboding, just like this dark cloud following me that I, I could not escape. And at the time I was, a, you know, my, I had a full-time job as a nanny. And so I had this responsibility of watching twin boys and their brother. And so I went to bed and next day, same thing. I mean, it was just like, it wouldn't leave just obsessing over the strangest things, obsessing over my aunt's death and just the violence of it. These intrusive thoughts came that I've never known of before. And it freaked me out. Fortunately, my father back in 93 had been through like his own bout of depression. So he, he was able to kind of, he was like a psychologist to me. He's a very smart man. So he, you know, said, well, why don't we just go, go make sure like, you know, your blood works. Okay. And we went to the doctor and I'm, you know, just thinking like, oh, maybe like a vitamin's off or something and they'll be able to just let me know and I'll be sent on my way and this will go away. And they did my blood. They said, you know, are, are you suicidal or homicidal? Which really was like, what? You know, I mean, this is like questions like that. I mean, they have to ask you, but it really like throws you off. You're like, this is serious, you know? And so they put me on a low dose antidepressant and kind of, you know, sent me on my way. And it was just kind of like, good luck, you know, like, Bye. <laughs> From that point on, that week, my family had a Disney trip planned. I had worked at Disney the um, couple years prior. I did the Disney college program. You know, I'm like, oh, Disney World will take it away, you know. And and even that, like, just that distraction, it, it didn't even touch it. I mean, I, I'm very familiar with Disney. It brings me so much happiness. And I just remember laying in a hammock there, just like, who am I, you know, and looking up at the night sky while people are running around with their, you know, Mickey cups and whatever. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I just, it just like was that emptiness. And my friend had sent me a bunch of Christian songs, which, you know, again, I was Christian, but I wasn't like, who knows what I was listening to at that point. It probably wasn't good. <laughs> but um, She had given me like this list of, you know, like Hillsong, all these like popular Christian songs. And I remember I was listening to I'll Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns. And I was just like, that's me. That's like, it, this is like literally. And from that point, moment on, I was like, this is what those people were doing when they were like crying on the floor at church. And this is exactly how I feel. So I went, we went back home and I had gotten a Christian therapist and she had diagnosed, you know, well, she's not a doctor, but said what sounds like I had OCD where I had those obsessive intrusive thoughts, but it, it lasted, you know, it took a good long time. I mean, I had to pull from different angles. I pulled from church. I pulled from the Christian music. I, I pulled from my therapist, I, the medication, obviously. And, you know, I, it was just, it wasn't just one thing that got me there. It was, and I think what was hard for me to understand was it was work. Mm. And when you're, when you're depressed, you don't want work. You, you right. just, you want something uh, like an easy fix. And I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in the mindset that just the pill will help me, but it just, it's pieces that they need to work together. And I started feeling better. I, my grandma, when I was young, she had given me a Joyce Meyer book and I was like, who is this old lady? You know, I'm like, I'm young. And I mean, she looks, she looks like she could be my grandma. And, but um, it was Battlefield of Mind and I had set it aside. And I mean, it's just how God works. I had seen it on my floor when I was feeling cruddy and started reading it. And I was like, this is, this is who, this is what's going on with me. And I, I realized the spiritual warfare I was facing. And so from that point on, I, I had, so when you're anxious in general, you're just, you lack, you're like, I'm, I don't have control over anything. Mm -hmm. So I put myself in control of like a routine. So I would watch Joyce Meyer in the morning, take notes, listen to Christian, Christian music. And I just became so like 
desperate for that, like nothing else. I had a lot of friends had lost interest in, not because I was just depressed, but just because I wasn't like fun at the time. I had to quit my job. And I, the first week I had encountered this, I actually made my mom sleep on my floor because I was just, it's something not, it's not tangible. It's um, in your mind and no one can fix it for you. My mom, bless her heart, she she raised us just so well. She she was always there for us. And so for my mom not to be, be able, I just like wanted my mom to give me Motrin or right, something. And you make know? it all better. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't. And I think that was when it fin- finally hit me, this this is spiritual, this is my mind. And you, you can't run from your own mind. And with those tools, I finally had, had climbed out. And I, I noticed as I was getting better, there was one day I'm like, I feel awesome. Like, this is great. It just felt natural. I realized that I was like, okay, maybe I don't need to like continue this with God. And maybe like, I don't, you know, need to be watching sermons every day. My flesh, you know, wanted to move on that way, but my spirit knew that that was wrong. And so I prayed, God, I, I, I'm not ready. I can't part from you. I, I need help. And the next day was the worst day of depression I'd ever had. And it it just was cool that, you know, my spirit caught that and was like, no, this is like, this is renewing your mind as in like every day forever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, I, I, I've overcome it. And I've had a lot of people when I was knee deep in it, I was just so desperate. I'm like, God, I, this is all I have left to offer you. If you get me out of this, I will help anyone. Mm that you bring to me because I I literally didn't know what else to, I had nothing left and he did. And I took these steps that he guided me with and he has brought me so many people that are just, they need help. And I, I, it's like a passion of mine. I become like a totally different person when someone approaches me and mentions that. Yeah. There's so much of your story that I, I resonate with and, and people that listen consistently know, I mean, I grew up with the really idyllic childhood and the really incredible parents who, I've been married 30 something years and, you know, gave my sister and I the most incredible childhood and kind of the, is this just a bad day? Am I just like, what's wrong with me? And the, you know, and and even down to the going to the doctor, they give you a prescription and send you on your way and you're kind of like, okay, well this will fix it, you know? And, um, you know, you're talking about the good days. I cannot tell you. and, and, And I have done this multiple times and I've had multiple conversations with friends who are in, on medication for any of the range of, of mental illness disorders that you start to feel really good and so you're you think oh, I don't I don't need the medicine anymore forgetting that it's probably right. the medicine that's making you feel good <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. that please don't stop your just don't cold turkey stop your medication oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but I think that lack of control and the work that it takes. I love what you were talking about that you pulled from places, you know, that you pulled from sermons and you pulled from therapy and you took the medication. And, and that's such an important distinction to make, I think, within the mental health crisis and the mental health battle. You know, I have multiple diagnoses. I'm like, I'm the alphabet of, of, <laughs> of mental illness, but it takes a lot. Like what you're saying about routines, routines are really important to my ability to function. And some of that routine includes taking a couple of pills and consistently being in therapy and stuff like that. And so when you kind of started getting your feet under you, you know, and you were talking about questioning, well, maybe I don't need to do all of this stuff. Did you find that you made changes? Were there things that you could kind of, that you could stop doing that didn't, you didn't necessarily have to do as much as when things were really bad? Or did you kind of find 
nope, like the whole thing has to stay the way that it is <laughs> forever, which is fine, yeah. do. I mean, I had stopped consistently like crying on my bedroom floor. Yeah, that's a win. Um, that was, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm getting better. But yeah, just overall, I think I just realized like the relationship with God. You know, our bodies are a temple and, you know, I wasn't taking care of my body. I had, so I, you know, Satan attacks us in our mind and then everything else like follows it's like a domino effect so I you know you can either overeat or you cannot eat I I actually had um I felt so like sick to my stomach that I just wasn't eating yeah. and I remember my dad telling me like you need to eat and it, it just was like I remember like my mom cooked me a hamburger or something and I just couldn't even eat it and so it really or you know you're the person that you know can't get out of bed so you you see you not only see like the mental attack but you know, then, then the physical things follow through or you're, you're not, I remember laying in a pool at Disney and my sister was swimming. And I I mean, I've grown up loving swimming and I was like, do I even like to swim anymore? Mm. I mean, it it really just, you get this tunnel vision where it's all you can think about. It's, it's just this nagging fear. You know, my mom always told me I hated at the time because it was such a simple like thing to tell me. She's like, it all starts with a fear. Mm. I was like, I know. I know it's, yeah. <laughs> but now looking back, it's just, you know, that is where it started. And then it just blossoms into this, like um, in my book, I kind of give the description of like synchronized swimming. When you're watching it, you're like, it's just like one thing going, right. you know, but it's all these, you know, it's fear, it's anxiety, it's depression. It's like the, like Satan's masterpiece. Yeah. And until like one's thrown off and the illusion's like exposed and you're like, oh my goodness, like this is what's behind the curtain. So that's kind of, where I realized, and I wasn't, most importantly, I needed to gain my relationship with God. But as a person, I was just kind of living just like a kind of an ugly lifestyle. I, in college, I went to a Christian college and it was like, you could easily get in a crowd that's rebellious toward that. Like, I'm not going to chapel today. You know, we're going to go to Coney Island. That's a restaurant in Michigan. (laughs) And so it, it, it was easy to fall into that. I played on the softball team and we just, you know, a lot of the girls that came, they got scholarships. They weren't, they didn't have a Christian upbringing. So it was, it was easy to be influenced by that whole, like, even though I knew my heart, like I should be in chapel, I should be praised, you know, praising God, learning about him. It was so easy to be like, you know, detour, you know, I was, I was like helping, you know, making fun of people and, you know, just not being Christ-like. And I can't imagine if I had stayed that way. Right. Not only that, I'm not saying I would have gone to hell, but it was like, I I just would not have had the blessings that God has given me in my life, the path I've been on. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. I wanted to take a break in our show today to tell you about an online parenting event that you or someone you know definitely won't want to miss. We're living in strange and difficult days, wouldn't you say? And I think it's safe to say that parents feel the pressure to lead in their homes especially well right now. But wouldn't it be nice to feel the freedom to check that perfectionism at the door and become the perfectly imperfect parent God actually called you to be? It's time to sign up today for the Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting Event that will be held on October 23rd and 24th. This completely digital event was designed to give parents the practical and spiritual help needed to grow as leaders in the home. And it's in an easy and accessible digital format. 
With more than 40 available talks, you'll hear from amazing speakers like Aaron and Jamie Ivey, Mark Batterson, Jonathan Pitts, Nicole Zasowski, the Duck Dynasty Robertson family, and many, many more. Tickets are only $49, so we invite you or a parent that you love to register today for this digital Christian parenting event. Visit perfectlyimperfect.org to sign up today. Now, let's get back to today's show. Kind of going back to what you were talking about, about like those physical manifestations of this mental issue, because it's so true. Like you can't, you can't eat. I can remember at times the depression being so bad and trying to make something that seemed appealing and, and my mouth would just like go Sahara totally dry. I was like there, unless I put this in a blender, it's not going anywhere. And that sounds disgusting. So I think that there's solidarity to be found for people who we don't even, and you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about how much of this we still don't talk about and how crazy that is. It's 2020. Still trying to like talk about this openly, but I think one of the things that I found that really offers a lot of solidarity to people is talking about those little things. I think we get so caught up in the big, which is important too. God is in the big picture and he's in the redemption and he's in those big thoughts and big struggles, but he's also in the, I don't know when the last time I ate is and I can't get anything down or I can, there were times, so I struggle with anxiety and depression and PTSD. And I can remember there being times where laying in bed and I'm like, I physically can't get my feet to the floor. There's no way. There's no way. And, and it, you know, I think about having conversations with women who are like, oh yeah. And they didn't even really know that that was necessarily the words to put to it. But that's what I love about finding women who are telling their stories really boldly and writing them down and putting them out, you know, for people to consume is there's so much power in pulling that yeah. stuff into the light. You know, you talked about struggling with OCD. My anxiety can manifest that way a little bit. I don't have any kind yeah. of like official diagnosis, but it can definitely manifest that way for me as it's a, it's a distraction. I can get yeah. really OCD about folding all of these things really perfectly because if, if I do that, then mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that. And I'm not thinking about right. the fact that my leg hurts, which probably means I have MS, which means I'm not going to see yeah. my kids get married. You know, like, I mean, and that's where my brain that's, goes. That's, that's totally me. In fact, my kids, I've noticed they've been picking up on it. Um, and I got to be careful. I've been trying to like instill what I've learned, they'll like cut themselves and be like, is it going to get infected? You know? And it's, yeah. it's hard to, so, you know, that, you know, I talked to you earlier about, um, we had, I was 23 weeks, five days pregnant and we had a micro preemie and he lived for a month. You know, I, I was super blessed with had gone going through this prior because it, it was just my base of where I could just launch from, um, with anything that, that hit me. Cause you know, God himself, doesn't change. We're constantly going to be face these trials. And that's, what's so cool about scripture is, you know, it's living. So, you know, you might read something that doesn't really apply to you, but, you know, read it another time in the future. And you're like, Oh my goodness, that's what I'm going through. So going through that, I think talking about PTSD, you know, it was, it was a month of ups and downs and he had good days and bad days. And so after that experience, it's, it's so hard not to detour there, anything medical, even with myself, yes. you know, it's, I'm constantly asking my husband, is, is this a lump, you know, yes. and 
that that's a huge, um, I get all sweaty and scared and, and then you just kind of go down from there. And it's, it's really just what I've learned, just something you have to manage. And that's in, in my book, I, I had read, so a lot of everyday like verses you see, you know, like God so love the world, they're, they're awesome. But I, after um, studying through this experience, I just realized how much is in the Bible that still majorly applies wow. to like what we're going on. One of my favorites, it's Zechariah 9, 12, and it was returned to your, for- your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. And so I had this just this picture of like a fortress and just, you know, medieval times, what what would they do if the enemy was coming to them? They they fled to their fortress. Right. They brought the bridge up and they protected themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was so symbolic to me that that's, I mean, we have to do that every time and ways to get, I was like, well, how do I get to my fortress? Cause our fortress is God. Right. Um, it's the, he's described as that many times in the Bible. And one of my biggest ones is I just like blast worship music. Yes. And it, when it's playing, it's, it's just like that. It can't touch me. It, it's just not capable of of hurting me or, you know, to, like you said, talking to a girlfriend that's, you know, been through something similar. That's been my favorite is just, it is such a release when someone's like, I went through that too. And you know, this is what I did. And it just, it takes the, the weight off your shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that if out of the pit, but I'm still managing, it's like I'm out of the yeah, pit, exactly. but it's not all gone. You know, exactly would be like a necessary tagline. And I, I love, so in the depths of my anxiety and depression and PTSD, I love that you use that verse in Zechariah about a fortress because Psalm 18, two, mm-hmm. the Lord is my rock and my fortress yep. and yeah. my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. I would just over and over and over and over because it is, it can, it can kind of, I think sometimes boil down to a lack of safety. Kind of like you said, your mom said that it starts with a fear, a lack of safety. Now, I mean, that Mm -hmm. brings you into a whole conversation of, we have very much Americanized this definition of safety and our definition of what we want safety to look like. Isn't always what God's looks like or is rarely what God's looks like. You know, one of my friends always says, why are Americans so obsessed with staying alive? You know, it's true. true. We are, we're obsessed with staying alive. And even believers are, even with this future hope of glory and that, that he is our safe place to land. He's our safe place to go. He's our safe place to stay. And that that is what makes this stuff manageable. You know, I talk about the PTSD and the, I can't get out of bed, out of bed depression as bad as that stuff can get. It's nothing compared to how good things are going to be. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I think Satan's his big, one of his biggest tactics is memory loss. Mm. And, Cause he, you know, that's why I would just write so many memory verses and just, I just taped them all over my mirror. The word has such a powerful way of, you know, you're reading it and it just like, you, you're remembering, oh yeah, I have that promise. And I think even aside from the word, even just remembering things you've overcome, yes. we were blessed with being there when we lost our son. And it was, you know, then the nurse was like, are you going to hold him? And we were like, it, it just was such a scary thought, like, like the anticipation of holding him. And my, my husband held him and, you know, we, they turned his monitor off. So we didn't really like hear the beeping. We didn't know the exact minute we lost him, but you know, we, they came in and pronounced it. And, but just my view on death is so different. And, and not only will I see Jesus, but he, he's allowed me 
to um, be excited to see my son again someday. And, and on top of it, if my infant son crossed over to heaven, then why am I sitting here worrying about like, if I have some terrible disease that's, you know, real and just that, like you said, the, the promise of heaven is just, we forget. Yeah. What? Yeah. You one of Satan's main tactics is memory loss. That's a freaking yeah. word because <laughs> our own history, the world's history, God's history, and then his word and his promises, those are some of our best weapons in this battle. And you're oh, right. Yeah. We, we yeah. lay them down Yeah, and we don't pick yeah. them up. And I feel like sometimes God's like, Hey, uh, remember that thing that we did yeah. and it was, can yeah. we, can we hold on to that? Can you pick that up please? Exactly. You know, just so easy to forget. And I think, um, so I used a lot of scripture in my book and I didn't want to water it down. I didn't do any really paraphrasing. And I've had a lot of comments like you used, you used quite a bit of scripture. I'm like, well, duh, because it's a weapon right. and I'm not going to water down a weapon for someone. It's a good weapon yes. because it's, it's, these stories, you know, like the story of Job. I mean, when I was going through that, I, I read Job and I was like, this poor man, you know, and what he had been through. And then you look at people like that in the Bible and you're like, if Job could make it, I surely right. can. Like, right. Like, poor guy, yeah. you know, and that's what that's there for. It's not just the story that our kids, you know, make puppets out of at church. Right. It's, it's, these are for us to remember. Yes. I love that. I love that you wrote a book and centered it around scripture because I mean, I think if you think about it, even a lot of the books that we're consuming right now that are under the Christian publishing heading, you open them and sometimes you don't, you don't even come across scripture. So I'm all about pack it in. Like yeah, yeah, you used sure. a lot of yeah, scripture. Yeah. I could have used more. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so tell people where they can get a hold of your book, get a copy of your book and where they can where they can follow along with you. Sure. Well, so I kind of did everything backwards. I, I didn't, I haven't started a blog. I've been trying to start one and I feel like kind of like confused at how to even start yeah. it. So we're setting it up. It's very foreign to me. I'm going to have my husband help me, but you can get the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or I, iTunes. And it's called out of the pit by myself, Hannah Parkinson. And yeah, there, there's a, a main site on Christian faith publishing that kind of, they made like a list little yeah. silly video and stuff if you want to nice. <laughs> get too crazy. But yeah, but yeah that's where you can find it. And I just Instagram Hannah Parkinson. Perfect. And we'll link to all of that in your show description. Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and your story. This was, I, I know that this is going to be such a good conversation for people to listen in on. Just even if it's just for the sake of of solidarity and knowing that they're not alone in their stuff, but also finding hope in it. I'm really thankful. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy Christian podcast. And Hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.